Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. excited about this, and, and our theme is telling the story again, uh, and, and really, the, the, there's this amazing story. It's an amazing, amazing story, and I don't know about you, we love a good story. Stories are what kind of keep us together and, and help us through life and get us going, and I know with, with storytelling, you know, you might remember when you were a little child, or you, you probably remember, you know, with your own children, if, if you're now, maybe they're raised, a lot of you have kids are raised, or you're in the middle of, of the, the kid season, little kid season, you know that bedtime stories are really important. Sometimes we read to them at, in, in their beds as, as kids, but many times too, we would sit in a soft chair and they would, they would cuddle up with us and we'd grab, you know, of the hundred kids books we would have. Like you didn't have just one, you had like piles of kids books we did as a kid. And, and, and we read to our children because the pediatrician told us to. And so, no, we did more than that. We, we, knew that, we knew that that was important to read your children. They, you know, we always tell our kids, you know, readers, readers are leaders. And so, okay, when they're two years old, right, we'll get them going. But we would read stories to them. And I found with our children was this. I would read to them, not every night. My wife would do it sometimes. And I would read. And then the kids, as I was reading it, would seem really disappointed. And I'm like, well, what's going on? Well, you're not reading it like mommy reads it. Like, what is reading? Well, mommy kind of like gets into it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Now, you know, you remember the days where parents, when, you're, when your kids were low, you're just, you were just tired. Some of you are now retired, but you were just tired back in the day. You're just, you're retired because of the tiredness. You, you're just worn out and you just want it. You love your children, but you also love them when they're sleeping too. And you just parent, you only get that when you're a parent, you know that feeling. But you love your children. You read them, it's important to read. But they would not you know, book after book, and, you know, you read it, and then I, then I would, you know, flip a page, and i flip another page, and Daddy, you, you skipped a page. Oh, man. And the reason that I'd skip a page is because Mom didn't skip the page. She knew where that was, and they knew the book. They could read it without even knowing reading yet. They could just quote the book themselves, right, because they knew it so well. They, we told the story again and again and again and again, like, we need to get some new books, right? I'm kind of, you know, these, these, these books that we have. What was interesting is they know it so well but they wanted to hear it again. Now, I was kind of convinced is that they, they wanted to hear it again because it delayed bedtime, right? That's probably part of it, right? They wanted to, you know, they wanted to lay before they sleep, but they really enjoyed the story. They really got into it and remember it. And I tell you, that's kind of the, that's the Christmas story is it's a great story. We tell it again and again and again, but it's so powerful. And, and today, as we jump into our, our Christmas series I want, it, I want us to think about this, and here's the question, is what is your favorite story? Because stories do, like I said, they bring us together, they get us focused, and, and we start off, some of the great stories are started off once upon a time. Some of you have heard that, you know, you start opening a book, the classic line. Now, how about this? See if you can guess this one. This is how one of the, the great stories started is this. Once there was four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. Some of you are like, oh, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. You know that, C.S. Lewis. How about this title? You can yell it out if you want. Everywhere, Who Down and Whoville Like Christmas a Lot. <laughs> Grinch. Who lived just north of Whoville did not. Now, how about this one? Marley was dead to begin with. 
There is no doubt whatever about that. Was it? A Christmas carol? Charles Dickens' Christmas carol? How about this one? This is for folks a little bit more geekier out there. Is this. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Did you say Star Trek? You need to leave now. We don't allow that here. Somebody said I was wearing, wearing 49er fan colors today, okay? So sorry about that. Well, you know what? Well, you, there's some truth to that, okay? There's some truth to that. If you're a 49er fan, we'll pray for you. We're, they need all the help you can. That's why I said with these colors. But I would say this. Star Wars, guess what? The new one comes out December 20th. Did you know that? December 20th, 2019. December 20th, 2019. It's coming out next, next Christmas. Pretty exciting. Thanks for sharing that, right? Great, here you go. Great stories fascinate us. They inspire us. And, and many times they fill us with hope. Why? Because we love a good story. We love a story. It, it helps us get through life being more about sucking air and con- consumer of goods. We want something bigger than ourselves. Because we live in this world of pain and loss and heartache and tragedy. And especially moving this season, as much as a beautiful sunny day, thank the Lord for the sunny day, there's some dark rainy days that are coming. Just so you know, December, right? It's short days, long, day, long, long nights. And it's lonely for many, many people. Dysfunction, it gets capitalized, it's magnified this time of year. And as much as we move into this Christmas season, one of the things that I try to do in each year, and I encourage you to do the same, is to read the Christmas story. To read it, to, to go to, to Luke 1 and 2. That's where you find most of the Christmas story. You're thinking, where do I turn to get the Christmas? Read that and just read it afresh again. Read the story. Let's tell the story again. Let's, let's hear the story again because it's one of these great, inspiring, intriguing stories. But what I want to do as we go into this story in these next few weeks, I want to lay some groundwork for us. I want to set us up that this story is not just any story. It's not just a story that inspires us. It's not just a story that, that kind of gets us motivated in, in this Christmas spirit. It's a story. This is so amazing. You need to understand and recognize this and, and remind you of this. It's true. It's true. So as we tell the story again, can I, I can remind us of this. It's a story, a story that's historical. It's a story that is historical. Do you ever get enthralled with a book or a movie? You get caught up in it, don't you? You just get, you're kind of on the edge of your seat. You're gripped by it. You're moved by it. You're just like wondering how it's going to end. And then it ends and it's like, wow, this, this story of courage and faith or like survival and just, Wow, how can they go through this? And then what really takes it to the whole nother level, you didn't know this to the end, but it was inspired by a true story. And at the end, they show the credits and they show that the character played the real person and they match them up. You're going, wow, that is so amazing. We love stories, but we love stories. They're actually true. I can hopefully each week I try to be creative or try to craft a message and, and as wonderful it can be, but if it's not true, why are we even here? And we need to remind us this the Christmas story is a true story. The author is God. It's real people, real places, real circumstances. It is, and it's been oversaid and overdone with this, it's history. It's his story. And it's true. 
Now, it's interesting. You might not know this. This is, might be new to you in this new, new year, and you do Christmas every year. We do Christmas every year. Is this, this is a new one. Is there is actually a prologue to Christmas. If you read in the, in the Bible, there's actually a written prologue. And pro, this is what publishers use to separate, kind of a separate introduction to set the tone for the entire book, whatever you're reading. There's a prologue. And it, in, in Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, has this prologue that we're going to read here in a moment. And as we do this, you need to be mind, if you're new to Christian faith or you're kind of not a church person, all this, you, you probably at least know that the Bible is, is not any other book. We believe it's the inspired and fallible word of God. But we, a lot of times, so what's a book of books? Well, can I, as people say that, and then we have books, they're not really books. They're actually ancient manuscripts that Church fathers put together a few hundred years later and put them in a binder, basically, so we can we have it portable. Of course, when the printing press came out, it was really portable that we could carry around for us. And so we need to understand that what we're reading is it's it's not just some story made up. It's an ancient manuscript that was written in the first century by a real man named Luke. Now, Luke, if you don't know much about him, he was from a city called Antioch. And Antioch was a, such a strategic city when the mission of the church started out. In Antioch, it become like the descending church that sent missionaries all over. And one of the greatest missionaries that was ever sent was the Apostle Paul. And you read in the book of Acts how Antioch was a key church, but you read, and, and Luke wrote Acts, it's a sequel to his gospel, and he shares firsthand information. It's interesting, the writing, the voice changes sometimes, where it's, he says, we went here and there, and he was a, a companion of the Apostle Paul. And yet we learn through Paul what he writes that Luke was not just some Joe Blow that didn't have a whole lot going. He was actually a very educated professional. It, it, scholars, which I'm not a Greek scholar, but if you read the ancient Greek original language of Luke, it was some of the most eloquent Greek ever written in the ancient times. Luke was very, very educated, but he was also a doctor, a, a, a physical a physician. And so when you read through the book of Luke, you can read through, if you think how a doctor thinks and how the human interests, and there's more recordings of healings and miracles that Jesus performed, Luke is the one that writes a lot of that. Luke gets real descriptive in, in how Jesus, when he suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweat blood. That's a condition. Luke as a doctor died. You know, this is what happened and took place. So Luke writes in such detail in the account of Jesus, but this is kind of interesting when you look and you read about Luke is this or discover who he is. It's he's actually a second generation Christian. So Luke, even though we have the gospel, he wasn't there firsthand with Jesus when Jesus was on this earth. He came to faith in Christ after the resurrection and the church started. And so it's so important to understand that that Luke is as as he, as we look at it, he he wrote this and there was a purpose of why he wrote what he wrote. He wrote it because he wanted to learn and understand what Jesus did and who he was and pass it on to the generations to come. And this is so significant because what he's recording is not what people believed. It's not what people had folklore about. He actually talked to eyewitnesses. Luke knew people that knew Jesus personally. Knew, and knew what? Knew of this event that took place that Jesus was actually born. It was a real event. Now, we got to be reminded of this, of the birth of Jesus. It's an actual event. And the, well, how do we know that? Well, we set our calendar to it. We don't say 2018 and 2019 A.D. a lot or A.D. 2000. Or, you know, Ad no domini means, it means a year of our Lord. 
There was a critical time in B.C. and A.D. that took place. And, when the, and still this day, in the midst of the secular society and all that goes on, we still, no one's come along and go, this is religious. We should change the calendar. But <laughs> you never know one day, right? Someone says, we got to change the date system. Because it's based on Jesus. And, and yet it is. We still follow it. Think about this. Your birthday is, is dated by his birthday. And some of you are like, I know this already and everything. No, do you really understand? It's not just some book. It's not some, you know, wish upon a star story. It's really, it really took place. And so these ancient documents that are written in the first century, listen to this. Tell me if it sounds like a fairy tale. Listen to the actual prologue. Luke 1, verse 1. Here we go. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Many. Luke is saying, listen, I'm not the only one. There's many people that have worked on documents and worked on manuscripts and worked on trying to get an account of the things, the actual events that took place. And Luke, and you think, Luke, this in your lifetime. Yes, in my lifetime. He goes on, he says this, just as they're handed down by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Luke, you're saying what you heard from people, you interviewed him, and yes, they, they met Jesus and they know Jesus. And he says this, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything, sounds like a doctor, from the beginning, I too decide to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And you're thinking, who the heck is Theophilus? What is, why is he in the story? Well, again, interesting little fact to know is that most people believe that Theophilus was the publisher. When you wrote ancient manuscripts, there was no printing press back then. So not only materials maybe cost and there was some work to prepare them, but to actually get them writing, there's a manual labor that went in and to make multiple copies, that's expensive. And so most excellent Theophilus means not only that he was maybe wealthy, but he was actually ranked in the, in the, in the Roman army even. So Theophilus was a very prominent figure and Luke was connected with them to spread the gospel, to share it with those around him, that God placed this guy in the story. And I think it's interesting about Theophilus, his name means God lover, means Theo means God and, and, and Philo means, means love. And so Luke's basically saying, hey, Theophilus, you're a God lover. We want you to be a Jesus lover. We want to help other people know Jesus as well. Can you help me do that work? Because this is what he says, why he did this. Why he's writing it? What's Luke's motivation? Not just tell once upon a time story. He says this, so you may know certainty of the things you have been taught, that you would know with certainty the things you had taught. It doesn't sound like once upon a time. It doesn't sound like a, in a galaxy far, far away. He's saying, I've investigated. I've looked into this. I've, I've, I've studied it. it doesn't, it's, this is not religious talk. This is actual historical work that comes together and it'll help from generations to come. Some of you are like, I didn't know that was, I didn't know there was a prologue in the Bible. Well, why don't you read your Bible? I'm just saying, like, that would be a good idea if you go, I don't have a copy. There's copies in the back. It's online. Wow. Okay, the U version, the best version you can use. It's free, right? So all these details, why? Luke's saying in an account, so you will know with certainty the things that have been taught. We need to keep this in mind that our foundation, our faith, is not based on some just story. Our foundation, our faith, is not even based on what the Bible says. You're thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean by that? 
Well, when Jesus was born, we didn't have the New Testament. There's no writings that were there. We had the Old Testament. We didn't have the New Testament. This was an actual event. It was an account that actually happened that eyewitnesses wrote about. It's so important. And to know that it happened in the right time, in the just the right time in history. Next week, we're going to dive into that a little bit of the prophecies of Jesus and how it was the right time in the right moment that took place of the story of incredible promise that, that happened. But let's be reminded, this story is not only historical, but it's so important to know this. It's a story that is, that is purposeful. It's purposeful. Now, I've watched people react to life challenges in, in all different ways. And I found this is that people are either religious or non-religious or, you know, irreligious. Everybody I know, and there's a few people out there that maybe have given up on life, but kind of go, I'm looking for the meaning of life. Most people I know, and especially in hardship, especially the difficulty, they're trying to bring, they're trying to bring meaning to what is going on, especially in the difficulty they have. So what we do is we say things like this. We say, everything happens for a reason, or I don't believe in coincidence. You, you, you just haven't met the right person yet. It wasn't meant to be. It, it, was, it, it will all work out. Maybe you've used these phrases, and we say these just to, sometimes to you know, bring comfort and because we don't know what to say, we say them. But deep down, what are they all saying? They're saying we crave deeper, deeper meaning. We crave purpose. So I think one of, the, one of the cruelest things about atheism and even evolution is that the randomness when it comes to tragedy. You know, you hear of, know of a child that, that died suddenly or a car accident that wiped out the entire family or killed instantly, but one person's left. And you're just going, what in the world? How could this ever happen? And you're trying to, like everything is just out of place and you're trying to make sense of it all. And then what we do is we get upset and we, we cry out to God, God, if you're really there, if you really care, how could a good God allow this to happen? That And we ask, why God? And as much as it's hard to understand God's sovereignty and everything, and it's difficult to get that, I would submit that it's more difficult to accept randomness that has no purpose. I don't know where, you, where to place any of in life to understand there's a greater thing that's happening, a greater work. And even though in our finite minds we don't understand it, there's something or someone bigger than it all. And that is where Christianity comes into play. That's why Christianity has the answer and why God is a purposeful God, that God is a God involved in history, that God sees things sequentially, that God brings order of, out of chaos, that God brings design into places that seems like there's no design to, that, it, that the, bring the place that it all makes sense, that it connects the dots, that it fits together at some place somehow in this order to bring meaningfulness to our lives. And that's the story of Christmas that brings purpose. See, we hold highly the words of King Solomon who says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. The Christmas story is significant because it's profound meaning in the exact time in history. It's when things are difficult and complicated and almost seem random. The story of Christmas has purpose that God didn't come and just send an angel, that God didn't come and just send a heavenly being and no, in his place, God himself showed up on this earth. 
and people saw Now, Luke writes about what other people saw him, but we also need to know there's other gospels where they were eyewitnesses. And John, John was one of those apostles that he was there, he had eyewitness. Oh, and this is what he writes in his gospel. This sums up Christmas. You want one verse? Is this the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us? We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John's saying this, I've seen him. I've touched him. I've experienced him. I knew him. He was my friend in the flesh. And I love how John goes on in his other letter, his other work, this this 1 John and 2 John, later on, years later, this is a time the church has started out and and doing great things. There was a massive persecution. So John writes to the the church in 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 this circulate around this letter, this manuscript, as people were suffering greatly, he writes this. He says, that which from the beginning, which we've heard, what we've seen with our our eyes, which we looked in our hands and have touched, that we proclaim concerning the word of life, that life appeared and we've seen it, we testify to it, we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the Father has appeared to us. What's John saying? Listen, I'm not telling you just like you need to believe this story. He goes, I've experienced him. I, I know him. Why do I know him? I touched him. I was with him. I ate with him. I spent time with him. You know, I gave him a, he gave me a hug. I gave him a hug. You know, I knew, I knew who he was because I knew him personally. Listen, the purpose of all his writing, listen, he says this, he goes, we proclaim for you what we have seen and heard. So you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father, with the son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. If you're looking for joy this Christmas, right? We sing the song, Joy to the World. We, we, we proclaim joy. If you want to experience true joy this Christmas season, has, it has nothing to do with under the tree, has nothing to do with the decorations, if your tree's up or not up, or the light's up or not up. In fact, I got my lights out yesterday and half of them didn't work, so I put them all back in the box and they're back in the garage. That's as far as I got with my lights this year, okay? So... I, maybe you bought a few Christmas gifts, but it has nothing in a tree. It has nothing hanging from the mantle. It has nothing to do with the food on the table and the deck. None of that matters because you won't find it. The joy is Jesus. And John reminds us of this, that, that God dipped down from heaven, that God came down and he revealed. How do we know God's real? How do we know for sure? Because Jesus came. It's unmissable in history. Your calendar is set by it. Your birthday's set by it. It is an event that took place, and it's historical, and it's purposeful. But can I remind us of something even greater? You think even greater than that? Those are all good reasons. Christmas is this. It's personal. As we tell the story again and again, let's not miss the personal side of what Christmas is all about. I don't know if you were watching the news or social, on social media last Monday, but there was a pretty significant event that took place. It was the landing of a probe on Mars. And Chris and I, who in the back does media and stuff, we were talking about, like, that's a, it was a pretty significant thing. It was a, it was a really big deal. And I, when, I, when I went back and clicked on what the big deal was, and when I saw it was this, this probe that landed, and they're going to bore down into, into the Mars and discover more things about Mars and maybe about Earth and wonderful thing. What got me was, was watching the clip of the, the mission control, the, the scientists, you know, and you kind of think of lab coats, kind of geeky guys and just doing, ladies doing different things. And it was funny to see the emotion that they had. 
what was going on is they, 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 were, they were elated when they saw the landing. They're cheering and clapping and high five and hugging and crying and everything that was going on. Well, I think, why is that? Well, look at all the work they put into it. Years are going up leading to that. And then seven months, seven months of this, this pro being in space and tracking and monitoring. How's it doing as it goes along? And then it was seven minutes they call of terror because they lost radio contact with it because it goes and bursts through the atmosphere of Mars and waiting and all of a sudden they see the cameras as it's landing on the surface of, of, of Mars. And they're flipping out and they're cheering everything. Why? Because they were in the mission. And I was looking like, wow, that's so amazing. We landed on Mars. Isn't that incredible? And then I clicked down a little bit and go, oh, the first landing on Mars was in 1976. <laughs> I'm like, my science teachers didn't do really well with me because I didn't know that. Did you? And you're like, I didn't know that either. That wasn't the first landing. And it hit me. Christmas comes every year. We need to be reminded 2,000 years ago that Jesus landed already. Christmas has already come. The Advent season means coming of the Lord. It's like, no, we should say post-Advent season. I mean, Jesus is already here. We've all experienced it. And I thought about these guys, and I thought about how much work they put into it, this, this mission they had, and the fact that this, this has happened already. And that's why we get excited about Christmas. How about you get excited about Christmas? But we base our Christmas message not on just a, a story out of a book, but we base it on eyewitnesses, testimonies. We heard from Luke and his people and who he talked to, and then John directly talked to. And then there's Matthew. Matthew's the one that helps us understand how personal it was because Matthew personally was a sinner. He was a tax collector, low life, and Jesus called him out of the crowd and said, Matthew, come follow me. And Matthew's life, he finds value and he's transformed and there's all this incredible things that happened to Matthew. And Matthew then writes an account of the gospel, the gospel of Mark. And what he does is he quotes ancient prophecy of what was fulfilled. And Matthew wrote this, the very first chapter says, this is what happened, that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. Let's be reminded that Christmas came. It was called the incarnation. Jesus was here. He was historical. He was purposeful, but he was also so personal. That Jesus didn't come to be born. Jesus came to be born to die, to go to the, to the, the criminal's cross, to die for our sins, to be risen up in the third day in the resurrection so that we can experience eternal life. And then be then lifted to heaven so the spirit of God would come, the spirit of Jesus, which is the, the spirit of Christmas, to come and not just to be with us incarnate, but to be in us. Christmas fulfilled. Christmas is fulfilled. Christ in us, the Bible says, the hope of glory. That's Christmas. It's historical. It's purposeful. But is it, is it personal? Have you made it personal for you? Is the Christmas spirit, is Christ in you, his spirit in you today? I'd like our team to come, and as they do, I just have one question as we pray. Is the Christmas story your story? Is the Christmas story your story? I think of these guys and 
watching Mission Control and how excited they were and high five and excitement. Why? Because they made it personal. They made the mission of Mars personal. I'm wondering, do we make the mission of Jesus personal? Is the story of Christmas, the account, the actual historical footage, evidence that we have, is it really true? Yes. Is it really had purpose? Yes. But is it really personal to you today? How sh- terrible it would be to go through another season of cluttery us of Christmas and all that. And again, I'm not down on Christmas season, by the way. I love Christmas, love the lights, love the food, love all the trimmings that go with it. But it's all fluff if we don't miss Jesus, the one that we are to adore, the one that we give allegiance to, the one that is to be personal in our very lives today. It's the Christmas story your story? And are you so excited about the Christmas story that you want, can't wait to share that with others? I, I hope that it is. And I, to help us, I want to just pray with us as we close today. Will you bow with me? Hmm. <laughs> Lord, here we are again, another Christmas season. And we're all, you know, some of us are excited, some of us have mixed feelings about it. But I, I pray that we would have and really this be prayer, Lord, that we'd have clarity this year, that we find simplicity this year, that we find the, 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 the joy, as, as the writer and John put, to find joy. Complete, our joy will be complete that's found in you. I pray that for everyone here in this room today. God, I pray for that for our community. I pray for the people that truly, truly, truly need to know and find the hope in you, Lord. God, they find it in you today. And they find it in this season. Lord, may your story, your account, your, your arrival, your landing on this earth, may it be our story as well. How personal it is. I, th- I think of Zoe and how personally you, you touched her life and, and, and your story is her story. And Lord, you've done that for many of eyewitnesses of what you've done. And Lord, sometimes we look back and we look back at these Bible people and we look back at, man, what, what, what it would have been like to actually touch you and feel you and experience you physically. And then we need to be reminded that we got it better. That Lord, you're, you are not just with them incarnate, but Lord, you're, you can be in us incarnate. Your very spirit's in us to empower us, to help us and give us hope. And Lord, I pray that today that we make it personal that way. If those are those here today that say, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm, I'm distant from you, Lord. I, I pray that they say, Lord, come near. Lord, you came near, Lord. Come near my heart. Fill me, Lord. With the spirit of Christmas would be this, is your very spirit of Christ that you would fill me, Jesus, today. Fill me anew, Lord. I feel empty, God. Change me, transform me. Bring hope where I need hope today. God, where there's anxiety, where there's worry, where there's stress, but Lord, your peace your peace, you're the, 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 the prince of peace that you came for us and for us to have that in, in our heart and our lives. God, I pray that we would receive that today in you. And Lord, I pray as we go forth into this holiday season, Lord, that we would carry and body the message of you, Jesus. To wherever we go, whoever we meet, from the people that we work with, the people that we live with, the people we go to school with, the, the people that we exchange goods and give money to, Lord, that we would be filled with you. And God, it would be our story to share, and passionate share, because it's your very mission that you came 
and died and you rose again so we can celebrate you this very season. The risen Lord, you have won. And God, we declare it. We declare it today. And God, I pray as we gather this last moment here in this song, God, that we would adore you today. We would thank you and praise you purely for who you are and all you've done.